you will tonight, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms. We're going to be in Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Um, Leah and Kurt are running late. Uh, they went to um, a, a viewing of someone uh, that they're acquainted with. And uh, so they are, um, as we passed, they were absolutely wrapped out the door. Uh, and so they're caught in that. So they, um, they, they may be here by the time I'm done. But then again, they may not. I don't expect to be very long. I do have six verses I need to try to preach through, but uh, I'm not going to make any promises tonight. Amen. Uh, Psalm chapter number one. Let's go ahead and read the entirety of this. As I said, it's only six verses. And uh, many folks, as they begin to memorize Scripture, uh, this is one of the first ones that they will start to memorize. And so let's start with verse number one. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now, I, um, starting here in chapter 1 or Psalm 1, however you want to say it, um, I, I may start um, preaching through the book of Psalms on Wednesday nights, uh, but you're talking about 150, and um, or about three quarters of the way, you have one Psalm, 119, that has got way too many verses to preach in one particular city. And uh, so, um, I, I'm not going to concretely say that on Sunday nights we'll be preaching out of Psalms, uh, but at the same time, uh, in my heart, I'd really like to. So I am praying about it, and uh, we'll take as long as we need to in that. And uh, I try to do this as I, as I go through a series or something. I try to take some time here and there to give you a rest and, and to give me a rest and maybe have somebody else come and preach. But uh, I don't, don't have any introduction, anything like that. Uh, somebody say amen right there. No 30-minute introduction tonight. We'll just get right into verse number 1. Uh, let's read it again. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And so, first of all, number 1, I want us to notice the instructions to blessedness. The instructions to blessedness. And then, um, as Brother Dave would say, some point A or some point number one, he's real good about telling you how he goes. I just hope you get it. Uh, and so I thought about maybe uh, getting a TV and put it up somewhere and have my outlines on it, but that'd make half everybody mad. So we figured we'll just let y'all wing it. Somebody say, help him, Lord. See, y'all thought I was going to say amen. All right, so first of all, we see the instructions to blessedness, but then uh, under that we see it in the negative. So we see the digression of sin. Verse number 1, he says, 
that there is essentially, there's no need for the opinion of the ungodly. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel or the advice, the opinions, the, the direction of the ungodly. And as believers, and I think if we're going to really get a hold of this, now I realize the psalmist wrote this 3,000, 3,500, 4,000 years ago, whatever it has been uh, since King David. Uh, and so I realize that. And so uh, they weren't necessarily called born again at the time. They weren't called Christians at the time. Uh, but you, you have to have a relationship with God for any of this to make any kind of sense at all. And so, if we're going to have instructions for blessedness, we need to know the the digression of sin, the, the negative, if you will. Just as if we want to live a righteous and a holy life, then we have to go back to the series that we have done on Wednesday night, figure out what we should not do so that we know what to do, uh, which goes back another two years uh, as we learned about the doctrines of our faith. Here's what we believe. Here's why we believe it. So the same concept is here. He said that you're blessed if you do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. There's no need for the opinion of the ungodly. Now, I realize that maybe in business or in education or in money, we may attempt to get um, uh, uh, instruction or education from someone that may not be a Christian, and that may be okay. But as far as godly things, there's no sense for a man or a woman living a, a godly life to go out and talk to someone that's that's drunk all the time or someone that's a wife beater or someone, that, let's just say it, someone that's lost and not saved. And so there there is a blessedness in those that does the opposite of this. They are finding counsel in the godly. But then we also see that uh, not only is there no need for the opinion of the ungodly, but there's no need to uh, consult the practices of the sinner. It says, uh, who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. So the, this way is this path, if you will. And he says, you're blessed if you do not stand in the way of sinners or in the practice of sinners. Let's be honest. If and we've said this, we tell our children this, uh, that you're going to be like those that you surround yourselves with. And so if we're surrounding ourselves with sinners day in and day out, then we are going to take on some of their traits. And then he goes on and he says, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. This seat is a dwelling place. Uh, one writer said the company of the scornful. And so in the negative, we see this instruction of the digression of sin. And in, it, it is in keeping company with the scornful. Those that are constantly going to be uh, berating you for your stand in God. And let's just be honest with one another. If you're doing something and someone is constantly berating you because you're doing it, you're going to have your own self-doubts and you're probably going to waver a little bit on your stand in that because you're getting constantly bombarded by doing the right thing. And so he says here that if you want to be blessed, you cannot be, what did he say? You cannot see, sit in the seat 
of the scornful. You cannot be surrounded. You cannot be uh, um, uh, in the dwelling place of the scornful because they are going to affect you and change your mentality, if you will, on how to live. But now we see the positive. And the positive is the desire for Scripture. Now, uh, at the beginning of the year, I tried to urge everybody to pick a reading plan and to stay on that. And uh, I've, I've really not followed up on that. Um, we, the church has a podcast, and uh, there may be a day that I'm late. One day I think I, I or maybe a couple days I forgot all about it, and I, I forgot to update it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but from January 1st until about May 15th or 16th, I read every single scripture and put on there. So it's the sultry sound of my voice that you're able to hear. Uh, but since then, I've been too busy, and, and you have no idea if you've never recorded yourself for the purpose of putting it out there for everybody, how stressful that is. I mean, I sound like an idiot, but y'all write me a check every single month, and so I thank you. I appreciate it, and I give God the glory for it, amen? But you and I, if, if we're not careful, uh, we will begin to hear those those. Uh, uh, things in our life, those other voices, if you will, the people outside, and they will begin to condemn us. But now, in that voice, we're talking about the Bible reading. If we're not careful, we, we start something at the beginning of the year, and uh, about two or three months later, we end up dropping off, okay? And, and we stop doing that. Uh, our theme for this year, I was telling Brother Brian Howard, uh, that I have a theme, and, and I, I wish we had the banners and things like that 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 some churches have in, in that, but it doesn't hurt my feelings that we don't. But we have a theme of just one more soul this year. Started off preaching that, and, and we've preached on sin, and, and people would, would think, well, just one more soul, that's talking about salvation. Well, it's one more soul, yes, in salvation. We need to reach one more soul, and, and that should be all of us. But we need one more soul to say, you know what, I'm not going to live like the world, I'm going to live holy. We need one more soul to surrender, to do more for God. We need one more soul to be the man that he should be, to be the husband that he should be, to be the wife that they should be. One more soul is the theme for the year. And there is a, uh, a desire in being what you should be for Christ. There is a desire to have the Word of God. You cannot, we can argue if you want to, but you're not going to persuade me otherwise. You cannot be godly. You cannot live holy and righteously without having a steady diet of God's Word. He said it here in Psalm 1. He said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his what? His delight. The thing that brings him joy is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And so we see the positive in this instruction to blessedness is a desire of the Scripture. You see in this verse the longing for the Word, His delight. What are you going to do if you love something, Miss Tabitha? 
You're, if you love something, you're going to, one, it's going to bring you joy, but you're going to try to do it more often, more often. And, Brother Terry, um, you know, maybe something that you love is gone. Well, because it brings you joy, or maybe you can get there and you could zone out from everything else, you're going to do it more often and often. You know, some of you men, you hunt, and there's different reasons why to hunt. One, it just, you know, it, it does something for you, but you can get away and you turn everything else off, and it gives you some solitude. You ladies, I don't know what y'all do. Lori plays word games and stuff like that and cross stitches and I don't, that don't do nothing for me. But, but if it brings joy or delight, what do you do? You want to do more of it. You long for that. And so he says, but his delight, his longing, if you will, is in the law of the Lord. There is a learning of the word as well here. He says that, uh, in his law doth he meditate day and night. This meditation, it is to learn. It is to glean something from God about what you have just read. But then there is the length of his desire as well. He says day and night. Now, I'm not super spiritual by any means, but there may be a time where God puts a portion of Scripture on my heart that I might read first thing in the morning and never read it again throughout the day. Or I may read a little bit here, a little bit at lunchtime, a little bit in the evening. But he says, in his law doth he meditate. What is this? Day and night. There is a length of his desire. He would go to the ends of the world to have more of God's Word. And that's where you and I, if we're, if we're, if we're, if we're going to be blessed, we've got to have that mentality of going Day and night. Number two, the experience of blessedness. Verse number three. I didn't need to say that again just so you get it. Number two, the experience of blessedness. Now let's look at verse number three, okay? And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The experience of blessedness. Notice that he says that he is planted. We mentioned this morning uh, that winning is not an accident. Okay, and we, <clears throat> excuse me, we said that we have a path that we are placed upon. It tells us that in Psalm 40. He established our goings, okay? So there is, there is some purpose about this. But here in Psalm chapter number one, we also see that he is planted. He is not wild. A Christian's life is not haphazard. It doesn't just happen. I've heard some people, um, through, through reading and then through, uh, um, uh, listening to interviews with some big named quote unquote Christians when they asked about their salvation experience, and they say, well, I've always been a Christian. Or I've all, God's always been my Father. And while I guess I could see their, their, their way of thinking, Brother Kurt, there is a day. There is a time where you ask God to be your Father. 
and He gave you the spirit of adoption. Now, I realize you could have been young when you came to that knowledge and that need of salvation and you asked God and, and maybe you've forgotten those things, but we need to be wary of those folks who say, well, I've just always been saved. I've just always been a Christian. Because that's not, that's not true. That's, that's not true at all. And so here, he says that he has planted. He's not wild. It, it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just spring up. I believe it was Rachel. You like zinnias, don't you? Anybody know what a, the flower of zinnia is? Y'all got some in your garden out there. I don't want a zinnia nowhere near me. Those, those things, one seed, one little seed, if it gets anywhere in my yard, I guarantee you, There'll be a hundred million, even a thousand zinnias pop up. And the, the little part that's up here that's real pretty, yeah, it's real pretty. But you got four and a half feet of ugly before you ever get to the pretty. And Rachel said, do you care if I plant some zinnias? No! I want no zinnias up in here. We pulled up to a restaurant the Thursday, I believe it was. I mean, just pulled right up to it and I said, oh, Lord, look at all the zinnias. And I thought to myself, don't sneeze that way. Don't go over. They'll get in your pockets. They'll get in your socks and shoes. And you'll take them to South Georgia with you. They're not a wildflower, but, but they spread like wildfire. A Christian is not wild. A Christian, the birth of a Christian, it's not something that just happens. He said, you're planted by the rivers of water. And then we look at this rivers. He says again, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. There's refreshment. How many spiritually has ever been thirsty? Well, God has us planted by the rivers of water where if we ever need something, all we have to do is get it. I, 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 I want to be careful here because God will put us through some dry spells in our lives. He will. But that's to test us. That's to test our endurance, if you will. But according to this, he says we're, we're planted by the rivers of water. Now, some folks will tell you that those trees that are planted by the rivers of water, they're very susceptible to wind and, and they could be blown over. But they, they also can, not all the time, they can have some of the deepest root systems for sturdiness. Not for supply, not, not to get the water, Kurt, but because they are kind of on, on um, very susceptible soil, that it can be eroded, that it could possibly, with a strong wind, be tilted over or turned over, whatever it is. So it puts down deep roots. And as a Christian... We, we may be in a storm. The wind may come. Matter of fact, we see that it will come. The wind may come in a Christian's, in a Christian's life, but if we're rooted, if we're planted on purpose, then we have got something to hold us near to God. He says that his fruit, let's look at this. Verse three, she's planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth His fruit in His season. Keep both of those phrases in mind. His fruit, or the proper fruit. If we were to, we talk about the body, and we say some is some are 
a nose, some's a finger, some's this, some that. Or what if we looked at it like this? Uh, maybe someone is a, uh, an, and this is just an illustration, but maybe someone's an apple tree. Maybe someone's a, um, um, uh, an orange tree, or maybe uh, someone's a pear tree. What, what if you, you name your fruit. We're all fruity anyway, so just pick a fruit, all right? Well, they may not all bear fruit at the same time. Matter of fact, you plant several apple trees and they may all start to bloom at the same time, but they may not all bear fruit at the same time. It's not a competition. They're not out there saying, I'm going to beat you, I'm going to beat you. No, they're, they're doing what nature tells them to do. They're doing what God tells them to do. And He says that He will bear His fruit. In other words, if you're an apple tree, Brother Jody, you're going to bear apples. Hunter, if you're an orange tree, you are going to bear your fruit, an orange. And he says you will bear, or he will bear his fruit, a specific fruit. Now, what is the fruit of a Christian? If we can put it plainly, the fruit of a Christian should be more Christian. That's the practical side of it. The result of being a Christian should be another Christian. Let me just kind of chase a little rabbit here. The problem with that mentality is people say it's not my job to produce another Christian. It's the preacher's or it's this person's or it's that person. No, it's all of our. If you are a Christian, a child of God then your fruit should result in another Christian. Scripturally, though, we see that the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, uh, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Those, Those should be the outward fruits. That's what people should see. All of those in the child of God. The fruit, again, the fruit of a Christian should be another Christian. He said he will bear his fruit. But then he also says in his season. This goes back to those apple trees and those orange trees. trees. They may not produce at the same time. I don't know. I didn't look it up. I don't know when the best time to harvest apples is. Compared to oranges. I don't know when the time for pecans are compared to peaches. I don't know. But regardless, they've got a season. And a Christian has a season. And if we're not careful, we'll see everybody else blooming and wonder why I'm not, why am I not blooming? Why am I not producing the fruit that I need to produce? It may be that it is not your season. So don't beat yourself up too bad. Then we see this. We saw a season. That is, he's perfectly ripe. But then he said his leaf is not withered. I guess in this we could see that it is a an evergreen. Even in the Even in the winter months, Winners of our souls, we can produce fruit. But let's look at this. It says that he's going to produce fruit, 
in his season, but it says his leaf is not withered. If I could say it like this, there may come some time when you're not producing fruit, but you got the promise that your leaf is not going to wither, Miss Abby. You may not be. I was look. We got little flowers at our house, and uh, I don't know that they're called flowers. What? I don't even know. They don't produce flowers, Miss Tabitha. They're all green. And I, I go to the store and I look for something that's got purple or pink or whatever. But I always revert back to green. We got ivy. We got pothos. I said it right. We got aloe. We got something else. And I can't remember what it is. They're all green. None of them bloom with color. But there's still something that we're caring for. There's still something that we check on to make sure they're doing right. We still water them. We still give them fertilize. We still rotate them. We still make sure. You see, they're not producing fruit. And they're not even, they're not even colorful. As a child of God, there may come a time, maybe it's in that cold winter of your soul that you're not colorful, that you're not producing fruit. But you have the promise that your leaves are not going to wither. He says that at the end of very end of verse three, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. This is succeed or profit. This is again in that Christian life. What is a Christian told to do? Go. Go ye into all the world. We are to publish, to proclaim what? The gospel. What does the scripture say? That his word shall not return unto him void. And so everything as far as a Christian work, it is going to prosper. Brother Jody, Kurt, myself, we've invited you men. And we've invited men out there in the world to come to the Tuesday night lost and found. We've had maybe one or two men from the church show up. And I realize, I realize you're busy, but it's discouraging to be there every Tuesday night and then on some Saturdays and nobody from the church show up. Nobody at the church support that. And so I'm going to encourage myself and Kurt and Jody. They met yesterday and it was just the two of them and one other man. I want to encourage the three of us, and then I want to encourage all of you, that if you're doing it for the right reasons, to spread the gospel, and to tell men about Jesus Christ, and to tell men how to be a better man, and to try to pull them up out of that horrible clay, if you will, doing God's work, then it's, it's going to prosper. It may not seem like it's going to prosper, but it's going to. It's not going to be void, Okay? That may mean that it's just the three of us, but it's still going to prosper. And, and we can attest to it when it has been really, really low. Hunter's been there. When it's been really low and one of y'all get up there and talk, God still touches us. Now, to the rest of you all, know that these men, they, and I know you're working and I know you're getting home late and I know you've had a, a rough day, but they have too. If anybody's got an excuse, it's me because According to some of y'all, I don't do nothing all day. So, they're working. They're however, however many hours they are. They're out in the heat or out in the cold, whatever it may be. But they're, they're trying to do this, one, because it's a burden on their heart. Okay? 
Let's, let's understand that. It's a burden on their heart. It's a burden on my heart. It's the ministry of the church. So I understand and I recognize that some of y'all are working. You're tired. You want to be with your family. I know that. And I know some of y'all, if not all of y'all, pray every Tuesday night, every first Saturday of the month. And you say, God, I want you to help Jody, help Kurt, help Preacher, whatever, Lord, just help them. And I want to say thank you for that. Okay? But can I tell you this? If even when you don't feel like it, you step out and you go to that meeting, you have no idea. It'll encourage me. But I guarantee you, you don't have any idea how much it'll encourage these two to know that they're not doing it by themselves. And that man that's down there that comes, Willie, he comes nearly every time. And he's looking around. He said, man, I, I've been to y'all's church before and there's a whole lot more men than what's here. It's going to be an encouragement to him to see somebody else from the church come and support him. But know this, whether you're able to go or not, God's promise that what we do for Him, it may on the outside look like it's failing. Even on the inside, we've said some of the same things. Man, what are we going to do? But if we're doing it for God, He says it's not going to prosper. It will prosper. Excuse me. Number three, let's look at just real quick. I'm not going to even spend time on this very much. This is last, so y'all can kind of breathe a, a breath of fresh air. I want us to notice the contrast of the ungodly. We've been in verse 1 and 2. We've been in verse number 3. Now looks, let's look from verse 4 down through verse number 6. And let's see this. It says in verse 4, the ungodly are not so. Not so what? Well, they're, they're, they're not planted like a tree by the rivers of water. They're not bringing forth fruit in his season. His leaf, if it says that for a, a child of God that his leaf shall not wither, then guess what that means for someone that is unrighteous or a sinner? That they are going to have some withering. So it says that the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. And we know, we've heard it, we've heard it illustrated here that that chaff and that wheat, they grow together, uh, or the, the tares and the wheat grow together. It's, it's, it's stomped out. It's, it's, it's ground down. And then they take it all when the wind is blowing and they throw it up, uh, uh, in the air and the wind blows the chaff. The chaff is that, that leftover that's not very important to the crop of wheat or barley or whatever it may be. And he says that the ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. So they're, they're like that. That's, it, there's, no, there's no substance to them. There's no weight to them. They don't have the seed in them. They're too wishy-washy and so they're driven away. Then we see the chaff versus the tree. We see the wind versus the rivers. In the previous verses, it talked about that tree that's planted by the rivers of water. That river is to give sustenance. And, and I realize that water can be just as destructive as wind, but in the context of the Scripture, the river here is that which brings life 
but the wind is that which drives dead things away. So we see in this contrast of the ungodly, the chaff and the tree, the wind and the river, the wind drives it away, but yet we're planted by the rivers of water. So there is a a driving and a planting there. Then we see there's a judgment versus a fruit. The Bible says that that those that are in verse 1, 2, and 3, they are going to produce fruit. But from 4 down through verse number 6, it talks about a judgment. And that one that's ungodly, that sinner, they are going, instead of fruit, they are going to have judgment. Along with that, we see that there is death and life. Look with me in verse number 5. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Verse 6, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. There is here, there is death and there is life. That thing, let's, let's just be real, that chaff, it's already grown, whether it tear or whether wheat, it's grown It's been stamped out, stomped out, whatever you want to call it. It's been thrown up. It's been driven. There's no more use for it. It's dead. But yet, in verse 1, 2, and 3, there's a tree, there's a child of God that has fruit. There's death, there is life, and then last, there is a prophet for the child of God. But then for the ungodly or the sinner, verse number 6, it says there is a perishing. So there's instructions here about how to be blessed. There's the experience of blessedness, but there's a contrast to the ungodly. It's been said that every coin has two sides. And every Christian Every man, every every person, every human, they have two sides. They have, if you will, the old man. And we can even see the old man in in those last several verses. And there's the new man that we see in the first three verses. We at one time were ungodly. We're, we were unprofitable. We were perishing. Without hope, as the songwriter said. But now, we've been transported to those first verses. But there's still people around us. There's still people that, that may come to church and may fall into those, those aspects of verse 4, 5, and 6. They're in, they're out, they're up, they're down. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that they're sinners. That doesn't mean necessarily that they're ungodly, but they've not reached that point of truly being blessed or blessed, if you will. Because they're still sitting in the seat of the scornful. They're still standing in the way of sinners. They're still surrounding themselves with things that are ungodly instead of delighting in the law of the Lord. And so this is a, this is an encouragement 
to us that are saved, us that believe on the Lord. Let's stay in verse 1, 2, and 3. Okay? But there is a danger, too, of going the opposite way. It's also a lesson for us to know that the the world, as we say, those that are outside of the church, there is hope. It's okay to say amen tonight. Don't even sound like we're at a funeral. Those that are ungodly, unprofitable, there is hope for them. And they too can become a child of God. But again, what is the the true fruit of a Christian? That is another Christian. That's the end result of this thing. 